0: Hey there, welcome to Episode 7 of Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Luciera, a speaker, author, trainer, and your host. Claim the Stage is a podcast for creative, entrepreneurial women who want to inspire audiences and get paid. I want to start again by saying a huge thank you to everyone who has subscribed to my show on iTunes. I'm so appreciative of your ratings and reviews, and most of all, I'm really glad you're listening and loving it. It means a lot to know that it's not just me and my cats tuning in. And if you are enjoying the show and have not subscribed or reviewed it yet, please consider taking a moment to do so. If you have something you'd like me to review in return, just send me a link and I'll take a look. Happy to do that. All right, let's get into the show. You might have noticed I don't have theme music and I don't have a professionally produced introduction yet. And so if you listen to episode one, I said, I'm starting this podcast imperfectly. I was having a hard time choosing the right music. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted a man or a woman to do the introductory voiceover, and I didn't know what I wanted to say, so I decided to wait on that piece and just got started and And now we're in episode seven, and I still have no idea how that piece will work. But I feel like that's okay, because not everything has to be figured out on day one. I just wanted to get the train moving, and then I'll just start adding new pieces as I go, because really everything we do is a work in progress all the time. And I feel okay about the fact that this podcast is not perfect yet, but I'm definitely learning a lot, and I feel like that introduction is coming really soon. (laughs) So on today's show, I welcome Diane Goodman. She's the president of the Goodman Speakers Bureau in Hartford, Connecticut. Diane has been in business for 37 years. 37 years. Her frank and honest advice for speakers is invaluable and must be heard if you're trying to build a name for yourself in this business. I've been asked a lot of questions about speaker bureaus over the years and I've incorporated those questions into this interview. So if you have an interest in being represented by a bureau, if you've ever wondered what they are, how you get into one, why you should work with one, all of those questions will be answered in this interview. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Diane Goodman. Today, I want to welcome to the show Diane Goodman. Diane is president and founder of the Goodman Speakers Bureau, located in Windsor, Connecticut. She founded the company over 30 years ago and has built an impeccable reputation for trust and integrity by providing consultative service to clients in the United States and throughout the world. She works closely with meeting planners to secure professional speakers, entertainers, thought leaders, business leaders, authors, celebrities, and sports figures. In 2009, she was awarded the Women in Business Award from the Hartford Business Journal. She's a founding member of the International Association of Speakers Bureaus and former president of the Connecticut River Valley Chapter of the Meeting Professionals International and the Connecticut Chapter of the American Marketing Association. In March of 2016, she was elected to the Board of Directors of Capital Squash, a nonprofit organization that empowers the youth of Hartford connecticut to reach their potential as athletes students and engaged citizens of character wow that's an amazing background so thank you so much diane for coming on the show today
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes. So thank you for inviting me.
0: I have a couple questions right off the bat because most people don't graduate high school saying my dream is to start a speaker's bureau. I would assume most high school students don't even know that that exists. And so this seems like one of those career moves that happens after getting experience and learning about what you like doing. So tell me what led you to opening the agency?
1: well it it is exactly as you said as many people you know kind of fall into the work that they do the same thing is true for me i was doing a lot of volunteer work my children were very young and i always gravitated toward those committees that were putting on lecture series for some reason a lot of it had to do with women's organizations and nonprofits and i just saw a need for the service and i had no business background really did not know what I was doing but it was one of those things that I just saw a need. So I recruited some speakers, I bought a brochure um, they had one you know made and bought a mailing list and I know I checked off nonprofits, women's clubs, all those kinds of things. and somehow corporations got on that list. Um, so my little cards came back where there was a box checked off for other types of speakers and they came with suggestions. They wanted speakers on motivation and sales and economists and things like that, and I thought, huh, this is very interesting. So I stopped what I started, and I went out and started talking to some of these corporations and discovered that I had fallen into this billion dollar industry, and that's how it all began.
0: Huh. So are you yourself a speaker, or no, you I, like to support speakers?
1: I, right, I support speakers. I'm not a speaker. I've done a little along the way, because. You know, you have to when you're making presentations, you do, but um, I, I'm not what I consider to be a professional speaker.
0: Okay. Now, you started your business in 1979. You're celebrating 36 years <laughs> in 37 years in business? Something like that. No. Congratulations. What was it like being a woman in business at that time?
1: Well, you know, I really didn't know any different, quite honestly, having never worked in business before. Um, it, it it was just kind of me i just was who I was. I didn't put on any pretenses. I didn't try to be anything that I I wasn't. And it was an interesting time because at that time it was the women's movement and there was a lot of discussion around, you know, if you're going to be a woman in business, you have to dress like a man and act like a man. And that just was never comfortable for me. I'm very comfortable in many ways of who I am. And so I was, you know, very naive but eager to learn and wanted to really provide a great service to my clients. So I just
0: was myself. Hmm. Were there a lot of women speaking at that time or were you mostly representing men? Or um, There were mostly men,
1: as there's still the majority of speakers out there are still majority are men, but there certainly are many, many more women now than, than there were back then. There were maybe a handful that I can think of. Huh.
0: So on your website, you list three facts about yourself. You say you were the captain of your bowling team. You have nine grandchildren and you're traveling to Nicaragua to conquer the great outdoors. These are three really interesting facts about you. (laughs) Very diverse. And I wondered how you balance your hobbies and travel and family time when also running a successful business.
1: Well, you know, it's you make those choices. It's not easy. Um, but you find a way, I, I feel, and I encourage my children, my team, it's important to have balance in your life. We all know that. And But it does take, it really does require some thought and some planning. So um, I surround myself with great people that I know can do what needs to get done here at the office. And I make sure that I allow some time to, to do the things that get bring me pleasure and certainly make me certainly probably a better boss because I'm a happier person.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Now, why did you pick Nicaragua and what are you excited to do there?
1: Well, I actually went in February. So Mm. it was, I know it was my idea. I travel every year with my sister and two girlfriends and being in this meetings industry that we're in, uh, somewhere along the way, I heard this buzz that Nicaragua was the new Costa Rica. And I thought, well, why don't we try that? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, was, I guess I was pretty persuasive because they all got on board. And it was an amazing experience. But, you know, it's a third world country, so it's very different than anything we had done in the past. You know, we've been to Italy and France or whatever. Very different experience. Very rewarding just to be with these amazing people who were just could not do enough for us and just beautiful country. It was wonderful. We had a great time.
0: Wow, that sounds really nice. So I want to ask you some questions about your Speakers Bureau and just about how Speakers Bureaus run in, in general, because this is a question I'm always often asked is, like, how do I get into one and what do they look for? So I thought we could spend some time talking about your bureau and just kind of answer some of these questions that are constantly being asked. Sure. So let's let's start out by having you describe the Goodman Speakers Bureau for people who haven't heard of it so they know what it's all about and what role does a bureau play?
1: Well, a bureau plays a really important role. Most people don't understand that. There's, I think, a lot of misconception around what a speaker's bureau really is. First of all, there's several different types of bureaus. Maybe it would be helpful if I just quickly kind of describe that. Yeah. There are some bureaus that that work mostly only with have speakers on their roster as exclusive, so they represent them exclusively, which means someone signs a contract. there's bureaus like myself that are what we consider to be just sort of independent bureaus. We work with as many speakers as we'd like to. Uh, we do co broker with some of those bureaus that have exclusives, and um, and um, and then there are agencies that specialize in different other. Um, some are for education. Some might be specific to healthcare. That sort of thing. So I I took the the path of a non-exclusive bureau because I always felt there was a conflict of interest that if I was representing speakers exclusively and had a contract with them where I probably either was guaranteeing them a number of engagements a year or certainly an amount of money a year that there would be a conflict of interest and that I always felt, and I think that goes back to my roots of being a good listener and and really paying attention to what clients were saying to me in those early years, um, that in order to really service my client, which is what I feel I should be doing, I needed to be objective and therefore um, I, I chose that route. So um, that's kind of what we do. We're like, we are like a, a matchmaker, but we spend a tremendous amount of time first of all asking really good questions of our clients of really trying to understand the, the objectives of their meeting what types of speakers they, they need or want or have used and like and don't like who the audience is what their executives are like what the corporate culture is like i mean we really try to get as much information up front before we make any recommendations so we're, we're very client focused um, you know with great relationships with speakers work with many 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 speakers but it's you know it's a three-way proposition the objective is to make sure that the speaker we recommend and provide for our client is going to make sure
0: that they have a successful event hmm. and what are the benefits for a speaker to work with a bureau
1: well i think i think speakers love to work with bureaus because bureaus have relationships with clients bureaus have the ability to to uh, get more exposure most likely for them um but you know these days honestly we find in many situations we are almost in direct competition with our own speakers because everyone has such robust social media websites and all those kinds of things so if we um... you know so there's other advantages for speakers to work with a bureau i think so but there are i think more and more speakers these days who are choosing not to be so anxious uh, to work with a bureau necessarily because they they feel they can do their own their own marketing I think what we bring to the table is the credibility and the knowledge and experience that we know if a speaker is is a good fit or not where a speaker's just marketing themselves and they don't really know that much about the opportunity that they they might be presented with.
0: And do you also help the speakers to determine the best fee for each gig as well so that you're adding that level of expertise to the conversation?
1: You know, well, you know, over the years, it's it's interesting that you're, I'm sorry about this thing. Um, over the years, I, you know, I've certainly mentored many speakers, definitely have done that. And you know, recently we here at the company have decided that, you know, we give away a, whole, a lot of really good information. And that's one thing that I'm, I'm very bad about. And I, I, I really stress with speakers that, you know, it's really hard to negotiate on your own behalf, so to speak. Yes, we give a lot of guidance. I'm very candid and honest with speakers in terms of what I feel their fee should be. I I tell them it's always a lot easier to raise the fee than it is um, to lower it. So, you know, I I get speakers who really are not professional speakers at all, who just think they want to be. I call them the wannabes. And... Um, you know, they think that they can just go out in the marketplace and get $10,000. And I tell them I think they're crazy. And so um, so I, I try to give as honest uh, information as I possibly can because I, I want to see people be successful if they have that kind of passion. But it's it, it's not about the money only. There's much more to speaking than the fee.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what are the telltale signs that someone might be crazy for asking for $10,000? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well... You know, if someone, if I get a and I get approached, as you can imagine, every day, there's a lot of things I look for in a just even an initial conversation with someone. I I want to know that what experience they have, what where the what's the credibility. I, I want references. I want to make sure they have marketing materials in place, a good video. Um, all those things have to be in place before we will even consider working with a speaker. So if someone's just starting, it, it, there's so many things you can do when you're just starting and I think people don't want to do this anymore but I encourage people to go out and speak wherever you can and do it for no fee for as long as as you want to because it gives you exposure, it gives you experience, it gives you practice, you can get feedback, do evaluations with these groups and and get some feedback from people that's how you learn, that's how you get better so you um, you really can't approach a bureau particularly if you have not been speaking, probably professionally for at least a couple of years. Unless you are really, really unique and different and have a best-selling book or something, then that, may, that puts you in a whole other
0: category. Okay, so if I were a new speaker, I would need to make sure I did a lot of free speaking gigs and started to build up my brand and build up my experience and my topics and have some videos on my website. Is there anything else you'd recommend to have in place before contacting a bureau?
1: Um, No, I think those are the key things that any bureau would ask you, do you have, and you know, I ask some other questions too, particularly around, one of the things I find that people who are aspiring to be professional speakers and are working really hard at it, one thing I find they try to do is try to be all things to all people, and you really can't, so one thing I... I tell people all the time in the very beginning stages of building this speaking career make sure you know who you are what is your expertise where's your niche out there in the marketplace you you have to be so confident in that so that you're not tempted to if a client says you know let's say you talk on customer service and the client says to you well, you know, customer service isn't really what we're looking for. We're really looking for someone who can talk on change. Can you talk on change? And speakers are so anxious to get the booking that they say, sure, I can talk on change. And it, it, and so you have to be true to yourself. Who, And, you know, and I just can't stress this enough. Who are you? Mm-hmm. What, what are you really all about? What do you have to offer? What makes you unique and different? Why should someone hire you? You have to remember, it, they're asking this question because it's, all, it's what's in it for them. It has nothing to do with you. It's what's in it for them. What can you deliver to them that's going to make that meeting, that audience really, you know, gain knowledge, walk out of that room, having learned something or feeling motive, whatever it is, make sure that you are true to yourself and you know that you can deliver on, on who you are.
0: Yeah, I have to, I have to echo that response. I've been teaching a speaking school for women. And in the first week, it's a six week course. And in the first week I teach finding your niche. And I talk about two things. One is understanding and finding the people you most want to help. And the second part is understanding the problem you're going to solve for them. And I I tried to boil it down to something very, very simple. Like, who is it? And what are you doing for them? Mm -hmm. And I found that everyone struggled the most with this concept. Absolutely. It, It was like, I was trying to steal like all of their most important treasures from them (laughs) but but
1: you're right I mean and oftentimes they don't stop long enough to think about that and make sure that they are focused on what they really are able to deliver and who they really are and it should come from their own experiences and their own passion and that's what's going to make them unique and different
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I think there's a level of fear around letting go of all of the other stuff they they like and they care about because they're afraid that they'll, they won't be successful if they say no to something.
1: Exactly. And mm-hmm. so
0: it's an interesting mindset shift to say, no, if you actually just focus on one thing, you'll go a lot further, a lot faster.
1: Especially these days because you have to have... You have to have a niche. You have to have something clever. You have to have something that, that people are going to remember or get to know you from. Because the competition is, I, I've never seen anything like it. And, of course, we all know it has to do with the world is, is at our fingertips now. So there has to be a reason why you stand out for someone to find you.
0: hmm Awesome. Now you mentioned in a past interview that speakers come and go, but we want to work with those who are compelling, proven, professional, and most importantly, who are the right fit for each event or meeting. Are there key indicators of who will be the best fit for you? Or is it like a gut instinct? What do you look for?
1: Well, I'm good at gut. I can tell you that, (laughs) but I I try not to be that subjective. So um, I look for, we talked about this just a a moment ago, but I, I really do look for the experience that people have I want to know that they've actually been speaking out there passion I have to feel the passion even if I'm on the phone with someone I have to feel the passion about what they talk about because it has to come from the heart I believe that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: having a sense of humor you have to have a sense of humor in life but um, on the podium you also do you you have to be able to sort of incorporate some some lightness some some humor um, but like I said, the most important thing is I have to really feel that they know who they are and and, and what what makes them so unique and different and and why someone would or does hire them. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. and and I think it does it, it all comes back to the sense of self and how well they can convey that in their message and in their energy and their presentation on stage, right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. yep, absolutely.
0: Now, how does your speaker bureau stand out from others? Well,
1: I like to think uh, that it is the fact that we are so client-focused. You know, in the beginning, you you asked me about the Bureau. I really do care about my clients, and they know it. And I have very, very loyal clients because they really know I'm part of their team. I get to know as much as I can about them. I am, You know, I I am part of the team. The speaker for their event is, is equally, if not more important, than the food they're serving that day or the 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 condition of the room or whatever the speaker can make or break an event so they have to trust my judgment and they can only do that if they truly believe that I care about them and their meeting and the success of their meeting so it gets back to why you know I said I never went that exclusive route because I always felt that would be a conflict of interest I might be promoting someone who really wasn't the best fit because I had a, a contract on the other side so um I, I think that what that's really what makes us stand out the most is that we are just so client-focused. And we just know our clients really well. We go on site sometimes to the events and manage the speakers for them so that they can do the other things they have to do. And we are a part of their team. We absolutely are. Hmm.
0: So just for everyone listening, to make sure that everyone knows the difference between the clients and the speakers, your clients are the event planners, maybe the heads of associations. Yes these people and then your speakers is it's your pool of talent that you send to go conduct the speech or presentation for your client.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: And do you provide marketing for your speakers? And if so, what kind of marketing do you do for them?
1: Um, we don't, there's nothing specific. I mean, once we bring on a new speaker, you know, and we do spend time doing our due diligence and in, in vetting you or, you know, and certainly reviewing the materials and getting references and all of that. You know, once we get you into our system, so to speak, and get you on our website, we then will, you know, include you in proposals to our prospective clients when we feel it's appropriate. Um, we don't, you know, we we do e-blast sometimes on different topics and themes and things that, you know, we rotate a lot, we that sort of thing, but there's nothing really specific that we do for, for any speaker other than just promote them when we feel that it's most appropriate to be promoting them.
0: Okay, so maybe your marketing is more of your own bureau and then once you have the relationship then you're marketing your speakers to your clients? Correct. Okay, so okay. I have some questions about the speaking industry. Can you tell us about how the speaking industry is evolving and what speakers should be doing in 2016 to get found and get paid? That is the
1: the (laughs) 1000000000 dollar question. And I'm sure you, you know this. It is just getting harder and harder and harder. And that's why I'm saying find a niche, stay with it. Don't be tempted to waver and go find the next, you know, best thing that's out there. You need to really work hard at that. It's it, there. It's just if you Google, which I'm sure you can, um, motivational speaker, for instance, something like 14 million people come up. You know, I mean, it's, wow. it's insane. So find something catchy. Find something clever. Find something to identify yourself with and start promoting yourself. I mean, you you have to do blogs, you have to do social media, you have to write articles, you have to be, just have to be places. That's why I'm saying don't ever say no to someone just because they don't have money, even though you might be a paid speaker at this point in time. keep, Keep going. You want people to be talking about you. You want people to be tweeting about you. If they're sitting in a room somewhere and you're giving this great speech, guess what you don't know who, who's following them or whatever you just don't know and i i get frustrated sometimes with speakers who who say oh i'm i'm just not doing any free speaking anymore you know i've done that i did that i don't need to do that anymore and they get this attitude and i i just disagree with that i think it's important to number 1 give back sometimes because you know a lot of nonprofits and and organizations just don't have the budgets, and just because they don't have the budgets doesn't mean they don't need the message. And so, you know, I encourage all speakers to at least do a few a year at, at no cost and, and, and give back to people. I, I think it's really important. It's, it's part of who you are as a person. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent advice. What are some of the biggest changes you've noticed in this industry, either in speaker marketing, event planner goals, fees, or something else?
1: Um, I think it's just getting harder for everybody, whether you're a speaker, whether you're a bureau. I think event planners, meeting planners have a really hard job and, and I think that's why they really like working with bureaus and building those relationships because there's no way they have time to do research and try to find a speaker. It's impossible. They just can't do it. So, I think that there's a shift in that, two shifts, one, the more seasoned planners who've been around the block a few times appreciate and know the value of the bureau on the other side the newer event planners and people coming just coming into the industry are um, more likely to say or want to prove themselves so they're more likely to say i don't really need a bureau i can do this myself because after all i can just Google motivational speaker <laughs> sort of thing so you know so there I think there's a lot of that going on that people are trying to go direct to speakers which is that's their privilege they certainly can do that I just always say to them um, that's fine if you want to spend the time doing it that's really you know our job that's what we do but I also say you know okay so maybe y- you go in on the internet and you're looking for um, let's say a motivational speaker and what are you doing are you just watching video clips and usually the answer is yes Say, okay, so you watch a two-minute video clip, um, maybe, then you find five or ten people that you think are really great, Okay, you know nothing about them because you just told me you're only looking at a video clip. really not reading much about them or looking at what they speak on. Number two, what do you know about these people? How do you know they are who they are? And what do you think the other 40 or 45 minutes of their talk are like? You know, you looked at two minutes. How do you know that they have the ability to deliver a 30 to 45 minute presentation? So I just, I raise a lot of uh, questions and ask them, you know, so what do you know about them? You know, anyone can put up a website. Anyone can say they're the best speaker in the world. As a matter of fact, most speakers think they are the best speaker in the world. That's what they say, so you know, you don't, you just don't. That's that's our job. That's why there's an industry of speakers bureaus because that's what we do. We we vet these people and we want to make sure that anyone we work with is who they say they are and can deliver a full speech that's really great in not just two minutes of a full speech.
0: Wow, that that comes from the voice of experience. I can tell. <laughs> Now, what kinds of actions or mindset do you see holding your speakers back? Are there one or two pieces of advice you could give us so our listeners can avoid them?
1: Yeah, I think probably the best advice I can give is to always put the client first. You know, you, you are there to service a client. So always put them first. It's not about you. Um, be prepared, do your homework, learn everything you can about a company or an organization, ask really good questions, and ask them because you really want to know and because it's going to help you build your speech to make sure that you are delivering exactly what their expectations are. Always have a conference call before a speech. Sometimes have a conference call before they even book you because you want to make sure you're the best fit. The worst thing you can do is say yes to something and then find out that you didn't do your due diligence in asking the right questions and you're not successful at the event because you didn't deliver what they they had expected so you have to ask the right questions and really learn as much as you can about every single speech you do every organization you speak to you want to know who's in that audience what what their age ranges are, what, what their educational background is. Why are they there? Why are people having this meeting? Is it mandatory? Is it elective? I mean, just a million questions, as many as you can. And, you know, I never apologize for asking a million questions. I know people sometimes might get a little frustrated. It's like, but, you know, I can't deliver. I can't, I can't give them what they want me to give them if they don't answer the questions. And, and sometimes they don't know the answers. And I ask them to please try to find the answer for me and get back to me.
0: Well, I'm sure they're happier after the presentation because Absolutely. that's perfectly catered to what they need. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So th- that that those are sort of my words of wisdom. Don't don't try to cut it short, so to speak. Make sure you're doing for each and every client. You're treating each and every one as 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 important as they they are to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, understanding the goals of the people in your audience and what's important to them is is a really great place to start, right?
1: Yeah, the question, you know, when your audience, when they walk out of this room, what what is it you want them to have learned or
0: feel or whatever it
1: is? Ask them right out. What is your expectation?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's one thing I can deliver for you. What would that be?
0: Great. And what do you recommend speakers do to become known and build a brand for themselves? Are there a few basic rules each speaker should follow?
1: Um, I think I talked about. Speaking when you're asked to speak for free sometimes, like I said, I think that that really works to your advantage. Um, The other thing a lot of people forget to do is, number one, get feedback, like send an evaluation, and the other would be ask for referrals. People are shy about that, but if you've delivered a really fantastic speech and your meeting planner is like thrilled beyond belief, you want to... Reach that person when they're feeling that way and say, I'm so glad I you know, did what you asked me to do and you're, you're happy. Can you think of anyone in your organization that, might, that I might be a good fit for or do you belong to any professional associations that you think I might be a good fit for? I'd really like a referral from you. I mean, you just have to come right out and ask for it. And that's how you also build your business. It's, it's a lot easier to get business through referrals once it starts happening than to be pounding the pavement every day trying to find a business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And getting a referral from someone that you've just impressed. They're, yes. they're excited to share this Absolutely. this piece of gold with their friend. <laughs> yes. yes, they are. Mm-hmm. So I have five quick questions. We're going into the lightning round here. Okay, <laughs> What's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be paid speakers?
1: I'm just going to say, just be yourself, be confident. You know, I think as women, sometimes we have this little insecurity. I'm not sure what, you know, where it comes from, but we all have it. I don't care what age you are. And I, I think the more you can try to really overcome that and be as confident as you possibly can is going to give you more presence when you're making a presentation to a potential client or you're up on the stage. It it comes through that confidence. People like to listen to people who believe in themselves and so don't try to be something you're not. It comes across. People know you're a fake. Just be yourself. Let it come from the heart. Being from the heart, to me, is always the best. People are so tuned into um, people's emotions and that, to me, is going to make you a successful speaker.
0: Absolutely. You know what I find? We have to spend our first six months or a year or so of speaking, unlearning who becoming that other person. Yes. And then we can start to practice being ourselves, which is so interesting because.
1: Yes, there's a whole psychology around this. Actually, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, we started off ourselves and then we learned to be somebody else. Now we have to learn to be ourselves again. Absolutely. So. Now say that very well. Now, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it?
1: I think for me, I guess it has to be honesty. Uh, I'm just a stickler on that one. Um, just to be honest with myself, honest as a company, honest with my clients, with my speakers. Um, I've just always That's always just been a very impor- important part of who I am. And therefore, it has translated into everything I do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, very simple yet. Practicing it every day can probably, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely strengthen your business and strengthen your relationships. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self?
1: Good one. I think I'd have to go back to the self, be confident. You know, I think for me that was a time in my life that there wasn't a whole lot of that going on, and it was it was as you said a struggle to try to unlearn some things and and try to be confident uh, in a world that I was just you know exploring and just starting to get to know. So. Yeah, self-confidence for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. And number four, what advice do you have for your 95-year-old self? (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing.
1: You know, it's working, so until it gets broken, just keep doing it.
0: That's great. Number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick?
1: Hmm. I think I would pick a rock. I think I feel, certainly at this stage in life, that I'm solid, I'm there, Um, I'm not going anywhere, people know that, and I think it gets back to the the trust and all that kind of stuff, so I think I would be a rock.
0: That sounds so good, that sounds so comforting. (laughs) A rock that operates from honesty, that's like the best thing anyone could ever ask for. (laughs) And lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Hmm.
1: Well, for me, I think it's, um, it's about making a difference in people's lives, I guess. You know, for me, it's been all these years, it's been about other people, helping my clients have successful events. Uh, you know, as I said, being part of their team, getting to know them and their organization. Um, embracing change, I mean, you know. Life is like that. You're going to have ups and downs and this industry particularly, you know, one little thing can change a lot and you have to just kind of go with the flow and embrace it and deal with it and, and do the best you can to get through it. And, um, you know, just live life to the fullest. I mean, that's really what we're all here for. And, you know, don't don't bring all your baggage. Don't keep keep it coming with you. Try to let go and and just take each day for what it is and make the best of each day because you're not going to get it back. So mm-hmm. no point in, in wallowing in whatever it was that happened yesterday. Just move on. It's over and done. And um, just live life and enjoy life and be the best person you can be and the best speaker you can be for your clients. And um, your dreams will come true. I, I, I really do believe that.
0: That's great. I, that reminds me of that that adage of rolling a rock um, d- grows no moss or something like that, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you've definitely embraced that. Yeah. <laughs> True wisdom. Yeah. And and for our listeners who want to learn more about the Goodman Speaker Bureau, how can they find you?
1: Well, we're certainly on the Internet. We have a website. It's GoodmanSpeakersBureau.com. Um, that's probably the best place to, to learn about us and... Um, Feel free to call, email, whatever people would like to do. I'm happy to, to speak
0: with people at any time. And um, I think that's it. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I truly appreciate all of your ideas and experiences. Well,
1: this has been fun. Oh, thank you so much. You've been obviously a very good interviewer, really easy and comfortable to talk to. So I appreciate that. It made my job very easy. Thank <laughs> oh, Thank you. <laughs>
0: There you have it. Episode seven. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. Also, please rate and review my new show so more people can find it. If you'd like to share private feedback with me, if you want to suggest upcoming guests or just say hello, you can email me at Angela at Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.